Welcome everybody to Industry Seating. My name is Jason Thomas. I am your host and we are now underway in the 2021 Monster Energy Supercross season. Great day yesterday, different day. All the guidelines and restrictions that Feld has had to abide by and there's no other way to put it. I don't think they're happy about any of these things and it, and it certainly impacted how many people were there. No doubt about that. We had all the pod seating. That wasn't great, but what are you going to do? It's a different time now. Hopefully we slowly revert back to what we remember as normal, but for now it's it's not. You know, the the fan fest was significantly less than I've ever seen it and hopefully that improves, but we're just going to have to work through these things slowly and I I believe there is a a brighter day on the other side of all this for lack of a better term crap that we're all enduring right now and it's you know it's a serious situation people are sick people are dying and hopefully that is a a short-term problem and, and life gets a little better but for supercross it was pretty awesome like once the the lights turned on and we all went inside and got ready for racing it was great great night you know exciting entertaining lots of questions answered more questions asked all kinds of stuff so I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast first, Pirelli Tires, the presenting sponsor now for 2021, Plum Creek Funding, thank you to Zach Morris for jumping on board, Works Connection, Blenzall, Fast Foundry, which we will have a Fast Foundry interview today with Robert Carrico, recorded that a week ago, but I'm going to insert it into this podcast just so you guys can get a little bit more familiar with what they do. That, that's my biggest goal with the sponsors is for the customer and the company to become very, very familiar with each other so you know exactly what they have to offer you and how they can help you in your daily life or in your business, whatever that may be. Premier Vapor Blasting, thank you to those guys for coming back on board. If you want to refurbish or get your bike dialed in, if it's an older bike or even a new bike, if it just needs to be maybe tuned up a bit as far as the looks go, they are the premier name, pardon the pun, in Vapor Blasting. 612 Suspension, Grandstone Boots, Pro Glow Wash, Risk Racing, and Fly Racing. Thank you to all of them, and I, and I will speak on all of them a little bit more and share some promo codes to save you some money with all those great companies. But let's jump right into this podcast. I'm going to bring back the power rankings. We haven't done those in a long time, and I've kind of been holding them back, so we could, they would be something that I just haven't played out. But that's going to be really the gist of this podcast is going to be your power rankings. And we're, I'm going to do a bunch of industry seating episodes with all these races. So if they're a little short, that's because I'm going to do so many of them. I don't want to drag them on and, and you won't be able to even to get through all of the first one when I have another one coming at you after the second round. So the power rankings for this week sitting in, and, and these are going to be a little controversial. I'm going to let you know that on the front end, these might get you a little stirred up because we only have a small sample size and I'm trying to make them time sensitive per round. And if you don't hear your favorite rider named in the top 10, I'm going to name the uh, mentionables, right? The honorable mentions is the phrase I'm looking for. I'll name those guys after. So don't freak out if I get to number one and your favorite rider wasn't mentioned. So at number 10, I have Justin Brayton. Now you may be sitting there saying, why is Justin Brayton at number 10? How could he be that far down? He qualified really well. He got sixth place in the main. Really solid day from Justin Brayton. Now, how I have him there is I really based this solid result off of the start. And he knows that. He even made mention of it yesterday after the race was that 
the start was super critical to his success yesterday. And I, I believe it will be moving forward. I think that's going to be a consistent theme for Justin Brayton is if he gets a good start, things will go pretty well. If he gets a poor start, you're going to see him mid-pack. That's a part of getting older. That's just a, a, you know, father time is undefeated, right? So him being 35 years old now, or whatever the number is, it's really difficult to move through the pack, right? If you don't get a good start against guys like Chase Sexton and all these uber-talented youngsters, good luck blowing through them to get into the top, you know, seven or eight. So good race from him, but at the same time, I bumped him further back a little bit I think this this sixth place was more the high end of his range. I think you're gonna you're gonna see him fall back towards that eight to twelve, several races this season. Number nine, I have Mookie, and you could be saying the same thing. Like he did better than that. He rode really well. How could you have him at nine? I think this is where you're gonna see Mookie quite often, and I will get into the reasons that I have other people ahead of him. The reason I have Mookie at number nine, I think series wise, I don't have him as a championship contender. Okay, he had a pretty good night, but he didn't really flash to me. I didn't see him jump off the page at any time. And that's what I think Mookie does really well. That's why people flock to him. That's why he creates so much excitement. That's where Mookie fever came from. It's his ability to blow everybody away with speed, right? He just does things on a motorcycle that other people cannot do. And I didn't see a lot of that. I saw a solid race. I saw a great way to start the season, but I didn't see anything that blew my wig back. And that's why I have him at number nine. Number eight, Chase Sexton. Great way to start today. He's your fastest qualifier. Looks amazing. Very similar to Loretta Lynn's one last summer where he comes out in his debut 450 race and sets the fastest time. It was almost mirror image to that. In the race, same kind of thing though. Things don't go his way. He doesn't have a great day. He crashed twice on the parade lap. I didn't even know that was possible. That may be a record for someone to, to crash twice on the parade lap. In the main event, unfortunately, he gets taken out by Marty Davalos. Wasn't his fault. So I have him at number eight based on the fact that his speed was incredibly good. Good is such a a poor term. That's lack of vocabulary on my part. But he had a lot of speed. He showed flash, and he showed that he could be a factor to win races and be in the mix. Now, getting a, a poor start and getting caught up in a crash, that happens. But again, if you're at the front with... Barsha and Roxon and these guys, you don't get caught up in stuff like that. So having him at eight may not make sense on paper, but it's more based on what I saw from him, how his day unfolded, what I think he's capable of, and what I think will be indicative of his season. Zach Osborne, I mean, what a horrible way to start Friday. Crash, huge crash, had some sort of mechanical problem, goes over the bars. I'm immediately thinking, great, we're done. Season's over. He's able to race. Uh, practice qualifying practice did not go very well. That that's a given, but he was able to bounce back. He wins his heat race, which was insane to me. I, I did not see that coming. He goes and passes Cooper Webb, gets it done. Just an unbelievably great ride in his heat race. So I'm like, all right, we're in this thing. Like let's let's go, right? Everybody, that's the catchphrase these days. Is let's go with a expletive thrown in there for good measure. But that's kind of where I was on Osborne. I'm like, all right, let's do the damn thing. Uh, unfortunately his main event, he crashed in the first turn and was literally the last person on the track. He was 22nd place, fought pretty hard to get back to 10th. So I was, uh, a little optimistic there. I'm optimistic leaving Saturday night with that comeback ride, but certainly 10th place is nothing that he's looking for. Uh, so I have him in seventh, 
I think he has a lot of uh, a lot of upside here. He could certainly move up the power rankings pretty quickly. But I think seventh place is fair with a tenth place in the race. Seventh place is, uh, I think, more than fair to have him after round one. Now, Cooper Webb, pretty underwhelming day. Not going to lie. I, I would have expected a lot more than this from Cooper Webb. Uh, I had him, and I still have him as my championship favorite. He didn't do much to back me up. He didn't make me look very smart on Saturday night. But I think you're going to see a much more aggressive and a very angry Cooper Webb on Tuesday because I know that ride did not sit well with him. He just looked like he was a little bit off. His qualifying times were not good by any means. He gave up the lead in the heat race, which I did not see coming at all. And then his main event was just very uninspired. So tough day for Webb, but he's usually the type of rider that when he he has a bad race, he comes out swinging at the next one. So I think that's what we're going to get. I think you'll see a very, very pissed off Cooper Webb riding with a little bit more fire, let's say, on Tuesday. Number five, Adam Cincerillo. Now, Adam had a few surgical procedures, which he kept pretty quiet in the offseason, and one wasn't even that long ago. And, and he didn't really tell anybody about this. Like, you know, there are, the industry of this sport is very, you know, closed-mouthed. People don't talk a lot, and, and every, nobody tells anybody anything, and it's just crazy how that goes, but that's that's the reality of it. So he came in a little under the radar for a good reason, you know, we hear things, Steve and Weege and I and others, Anton, everybody, we all hear things, but it's not our place to share that stuff. Or it's certainly not my place, right? I'm I'm a part-time journalist. I, I don't do this full-time. My real job with fly racing, I have to be very mindful of infringing on people's privacy and doing those things so I don't piss somebody off because that's my primary priority. Sharing the news or breaking news, that's that's not really what I do. So if Steve or Weege or somebody wants to go out there with that story, in the moment, good on them. That's fine. I don't care. But that's not really my place to do it. So I was kind of like, yeah, let's let's see how AC does. But I'm not expecting him to set the world on fire. And that's really what we got. He wasn't as fast in time qualifying as what we're used to. His heat race and main event were good, but not great. But I think that's okay. I, I think when you're coming in unprepared or less prepared than you'd like to be, that's really what you're looking for is a quiet day, solid points, and keep moving the series forward. That, that's all you really want. You just don't, you want to avoid disaster. You want to avoid a crash that could set you back physically. Because remember, you're just coming off of surgical procedure, which I won't get into. Uh, but staying healthy and, and taking steps forward is the key there. Number four, Marvin Muscan. Now remember, Marvin missed all of the 2020 season. So this was the first time he's raced a Supercross in a year and a half. So with that in mind, great job. I mean, getting on the podium, third place. So you're probably saying, well, he got third in the race. How the hell do you not have him in your top three? Simply because I don't think he, over the course of the series, is going to beat the guy that I put in front of him that finished behind him on Saturday night. That's as simple as it gets. I think your number three rider will beat Marvin Muscan in the series. Therefore, I have your number three rider, Eli Tomac, ahead of him. He's your defending champion. He got caught up in a crash that wasn't his fault. Vince Freezy. I haven't seen the crash yet, but I know it was, you know, Vince was involved. And then Eli, I think let that get the best of him. He went back after Vince and blew them both off the track later on in the race. Ended up 13th was not a good night for Eli, but overall the day was pretty good. Like he showed speed in practice. I didn't see the tight Eli that we we've seen at times. I think it was just an unfortunate incident with Freezy and that, that set him back. 
you need to be able to avoid that, right? You need to have a clean opening round to really put yourself in good position. But that's kind of the norm for Eli. He does not seem to do well in these early rounds historically. He's got another opportunity on Tuesday to, to turn the tide a bit. But 13th is not a good way to start the series. He's, you know what, 12, 13, 15 points down, whatever the number is. So not a great way to kick off this series. If you're looking for a silver lining for Eli, though, it is that your some of your championship contenders like Webb, Osborne, and Sexton, I don't even know if he's so worried about Sexton, but for sure, Osborne and, and Webb did not get off to great starts either, right? So the damage was minimized on that front. But he, do, he did have two guys in front of him that could be a problem, do very, very well, and they looked phenomenal. Ken Roxon being number two, obviously you know who's number one is going to be, but Ken Roxon had a great race and, and a great day overall. He was pretty decent in practice. He looked very comfortable on the racetrack. His heat race was good. You know, he couldn't pass Justin Barsh in the heat race, which was very uh, foreboding for what we would see in the uh, – in the main event, but he just looked solid. He looked comfortable on the bike, which we were all were wondering how that would go. A brand new 2021 Honda and his starts were good. Pace was good. Fitness looked good. So I actually, I liked everything I saw from uh, Ken Roxon on Saturday. You know, I, I would have, if I'm a Ken Roxon guy, I would have preferred to see him make the move on Barsha, get to the front and maybe build a gap there. Cause I, I think if he did that, he would have won uh, not comfortably, but I think he would have been able to hold Barsha off. I think he had a little bit more speed, but I th- also think he was hesitant to make a big mistake or get into some sort of tit for tat with Barsha, who you just you just don't want to do that with. He he's too good at those games, and he is willing to knock you down, no questions asked. So I think Roxon took the cautious route. We'll see if that comes back to haunt him or not, leaving those three points on the table. But it was nonetheless a great start to a new series for Ken Roxon on a brand new motorcycle, setting himself up for a chance at this championship. Ladies and gentlemen, your number one industry seating, first of the year power ranking leader, Justin Barsha. Great job from him. Great day all the way around. Wins his heat race, wins the main event, fast and qualifying. All of it, right? We all watched that, the PR stunt, and I thought it was interesting. Like, whatever. It got people talking. The Red Bull thing at uh, at Anaheim last week. I, I didn't really understand it at first, but the more I'm thinking about it, like, they accomplished what they wanted to do, which was get everybody in the industry asking questions and talking about Red Bull gas gas. What more could you want than that, right? So he used that, the comfortability of being in the stadium, all those things, and I think he brought that to, to Houston. That gives him three opening round wins in a row. That's pretty historic, people. That doesn't happen very often. I'm trying to remember a time where that's ever happened. Uh, Maybe a a historian out there could tell me. I don't know of a time where somebody's won three rounds in a row. The opening rounds, excuse me. But good on him. He rode incredibly well, just unbelievably well all night long. He looked, he just looked comfortably. looked like he expected to be out front. you know, Ken Roxon made a few runs on him and he just kind of brushed it off. You know, he, he, re, he regrouped, made mistakes, let Roxon in, into the fray, regrouped, never really looked rattled at any point to me. Even in, even in the midst of his mistakes, he just didn't look rattled to me. It was like, ah, crap, I screwed up. Okay. I got to block Roxon here, make sure he doesn't make a move in, in my vulnerable areas where he could make a move. And then I, I'll be fine. I just got to get back on my pace and, and hit my marks. That's just what he did. So good for Barsha. Congrats to him. 
there's not a lot more you can say as other than it was just his day. Now I've seen this before, right? If you remember the last or the first two rounds of 2020, he went one, two, and then things kind of slowly dropped off from there. So can he keep this up? You know, I think these next two Houston rounds should go well for him. He should do, he should be good. I don't see, you know, the track's going to be very similar to what we saw last night at Houston too. That's a great sign for Barsha. But I think for him, the biggest thing he can do, continue to get the starts. If he keeps putting himself in good position, that will further his confidence. He's hard to pass. People don't want to deal with him. And that just furthers his chances of success. So I love what I saw from Barsha. I love what I saw with him with the bike. He looked very comfortable. His first real race on it, it, there was not any sort of kind of break-in period or working through any difficulty period. I mean, it was like right off the bat, he was good. So very encouraging signs there for Justin Barsha. Now, again, I know there's some guys that you probably think should be on this list, and I can't really argue with some of them, but there's only 10 spots, okay? Jason Anderson, the first one. I don't know what the hell happened to him the last five minutes of the race. Maybe his bike had an issue, right? That could have been the reason we saw such a drop-off, and that would have kept him off this list. If that was the case, surely he'll be right back in the mix on Tuesday, but something went awry late in that race, and his end result was not very good. Dean Wilson, he was the fastest guy in the un- in the first untimed session, and I was kind of like, damn, like, is this is this going to be Dino's day? You know, he, he's bringing the pace right now. And it just kind of didn't come to fruition. wasn't a horrible day, but that was really the last flash we saw from Dino. So hopefully he can find that magic on Tuesday that he brought in that first opening session. Because, man, he looked really, really impressive in that first ride. Joey Savacci, not bad. 11th in the main event. Uh, his fitness was better than I – well, I say better, but that was really my only question was could he go 21 minutes? Because uh, he didn't really – you know, we didn't really see him a lot last Supercross season. But he was uh, he was really good. Better than I anticipated. I kind of had him in that 10 to 15 range, which I guess he was, but he was higher than that or, or further up than that much of the day. I think he qualified ninth, something like that. And then uh, he ran top 10 for a lot of the main event, ended up 11th after giving way to uh, to Osborne there at the end. But still a, a great ride. And I think a nice stepping stone or, or a platform to, to jump off of for Savachi that he can move forward from here. The big thing for Savachi for a lot of these guys, I, I think will be incredibly important, will be the starts. If Savachi can use that KTM starting prowess to get to the front, his life will be much, much easier. And the last guy I have on my list is Aaron Plessinger. And you could you could have made a case for Aaron being in the top 10. You really could have. He was pretty good. He finished in the top 10. I thought he was going to get Justin Brayton there in the main event. And Justin did a great job. JB10 fought him off used, you know, that veteran savvy that he has. I think he picked up on a few things that, that Aaron was doing that in the end allowed him to re-separate himself. And, that, and that's something that comes with experience. You know, I, I was not on these guys level, but to an extent I was. And what you do is you figure out, okay, this guy's all over me in this specific session section of the track. What's he doing that I'm not, right? Is he in the same line as me and he's just executing it better? Or is he taking a different line? Because Every time we get to this section, he is all over me trying to make a move. And and riders feel that. You're thinking constantly. You're analyzing during the race. And I think that's what Justin did. He figured out that Aaron had a few lines and a few sections that he was getting around the track better. And once he equalized those, right, he tried for different lines. He, he figured out what AP was doing and how he was closing in. 
once he equalized that, he coupled that with the sections that he was better. Uh, notably, the the section where Freezy and, and Tomac got together, there was a three four two that was the fastest and most difficult line to execute, and Justin was pulling that off. He was able to utilize that, fix the other sections where AP was making up time, and then that was all she wrote for that battle. So AP, again, good ride. Could easily have him, and he, and he could very likely be in this top 10 You know, come, uh, come Wednesday. But for now, I'm going to leave him off the list. Now, the next thing I want to do, I want to jump into, before we talk 250s, I want to jump into this interview I did with uh, the owner and co-founder of Fast Foundry, Robert Carrico. He's going to explain, and, and I have some questions for him, explain exactly what they're about, what they do, and if you have a small business, if you have any, a large business, how they can help you become more efficient in 2021. Okay, guys, I am here with Robert Carrico from Fast Foundry. And for all of you that listen to the Industry Seating Podcast, you've heard me mention this company many, many times. And going into this thing, my main goal is for myself to learn more so I can better explain it to all of you. But when you get done listening to this interview, you can take this information and figure out a way to apply it to your own small business or maybe the company you work for. You could present that idea and it, it's always challenging when, you know, it's a great aspect of it, but it's always challenging when we have a, a non-moto endemic company sponsoring this podcast. You always have a risk of your customer not really fully understanding what they're offering. And I think this is a great way to just take that out of the equation. And for people who may not have ever thought about introducing something like Fast Foundry into their business or the, their place of employment, this is the opportunity. So, Robert, thanks for uh, first. Thanks for being a part of the podcast, and uh, yeah, go ahead and introduce and, and just start off by telling us a little bit about the beginnings of the company and um, you know what what brought you into Moto as well. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, you know, I've been involved in Moto for over twenty years, uh, back since the late nineties, early two thousands, working with privateers and uh, trying to help them get to the races, and and uh, was involved with the motocross track for a while as well and was working in technology um you know during that time period too so the fast foundry has been around for almost 10 years we started in 2011 uh my co-founder jeff bull and i started after working at a previous uh startup when uh when that ran out of funding we uh started our own practice and we've just been trying to take uh everything from startups that have an idea that they that they have uh, come up with and turning that into a product and a company. Uh, we build uh, more simple things like marketing websites for, for companies and do a, a lot of custom development for all types of businesses that uh, that need to to run their business and, and technology isn't their business, something else is. And so we try to fill that technology gap to help them to do, to do whatever their business uh, is involved in. Nice. So, you know, my, my personal first... I guess memories or, or, or noticing you was with Adam and Tignap. And uh, I would just always see with him. I'm like, he's got to be, you know, he's got to be helping Adam, you know, for one out of the kindness of his, you know, of your heart. And then two, you know, Adam is electric, right? He just has this gravitational field where everybody wants to revolve around him. And I totally get that. And, and it was a part of why fly racing sponsored him for so long. And then I happened to notice you were always on my flights to Boise. So I'm like, ah, he has to be local at that point. Um, so, just walk us because I think that's a really critical part of the story because I, I do think your involvement with Adam Intignap has brought you much more into the fray and I might not have ever known who you were if it had not been for that relationship. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm early in my moto experience, uh, you know, I was in uh, Moto Talk uh, with all the industry people uh, many years ago. With, oh, yeah. It was Steve Brune, and, and I know you were on there. That's how I first was aware of you and Billiman. Uh, so I had some relationship with him back then. And uh, then I worked with Steve Bauer and Steve Kendall when they started uh, Wonder Warthog Racing uh, since I was involved with Scott Davis, who was a local privateer out of Northern California. Yep. Uh, and so I was at the races and, and sponsoring uh, that effort. And, uh, then I moved, uh, I lived in Sacramento at that time. I moved up to Boise in 2005 and, uh, didn't really attend the races and go to the races. I was busy building a business and life here in Boise area. And then when I started going to the races again, that's when I met Adam and he was with, uh, the TPJ. And, uh, then I, you know, he certainly is electric. He was very inviting and open and, and I was there to do whatever I could to help uh, make his life on the weekends as easy as possible so he could worry about racing and results and, and not where he was going to stay and how he was going to get to an autograph signing or where posters were and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's awesome. I, I mean, I, I certainly had people like that in my camp helping. Um, you know, most people know, but some people don't. It, it, the life of a privateer is not always easy. You know, there's it's glamorous to a certain extent. You get to race, and it's most riders' dream to be racing Supercross. But there are a lot of logistical challenges uh, for <laughs> taking motorcycles all over the country and having people to help. And you know, it's funny. I did an interview for Racer X Magazine with Weston Pike. That'll be out in the newest issue. I don't know when the delivery date. Is. Sometime in January, it'll be out. And he goes really deep. Uh, into all the challenges that he had, you know, in, in his struggle years of just how difficult it really was. And, and I was around him at that time, so I, I watched it firsthand. But, um, you know, I, honestly, I'm very thankful for people like you that are around to help guys. And, and Adam being in this particular case, but there are hundreds of people across the country that help privateers that they would not be racing, bar none, period, without without the help of, uh, you know, guys like you and, and, of course, companies like Fast Foundry, too. So thanks, thanks for that on behalf of lots of different people that maybe don't have the voice to uh, to say thanks. Um, you know, my main my main goal for this is, and I I know you want to do this too, but to give some specific examples. So if you're sitting at home, you're like, okay, well, this is all great and, and that's awesome. He helps these guys, but how could he possibly make my business more efficient or help me? Uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, have a more successful business. Yeah, so I'll, uh, you know, so we've worked on you know hundreds of of different solutions over the years, and I've worked in big companies like I worked for Wells Fargo and uh, some large banks and mortgage companies. So, you know, I've worked in big companies and understand their enterprises. But running a small business myself and also being involved with multiple startups over the year that went from five people to 200 people, then smaller businesses is certainly where I've spent a lot of time as well. So. Some of the, the past couple of years projects we've had, uh, we have a local company here in Boise that does uh, lead generation for insurance company or insurance uh, brokers. So yeah. they're looking for, hey, tell me all the people that are going to turn 65 this year so that I can help, you know, get them signed up for Medicare or Medicare supplements. And so they had a system that was built, I think, 15 years ago, and they didn't have any way to update it and change it. They had outgrown it. There was a lot of things that they had that they needed that it didn't do. So we worked with them to kind of document what they had 
uh, went through what they wish it would do and built a new system for them to, to uh, you know, to make that as as uh, smooth and scalable as possible. And, and it's a small business of, of 10 people, and they've been able to grow over 50% in their business just by being able to accommodate um, new customers and make uh, that process as streamlined as they can uh, and, and integrate all the moving parts they have of scanning the cards when they come in to integrating with QuickBooks for the accounting side of it. So um, things like that uh, have certainly helped them out a lot. Uh, right now I'm working with the Better Business Bureau in the Northwest region, uh, which I think is the largest one as far as uh, geography because um, it's got seven states involved with it. And they go through a process when somebody signs up to be a member of the Better Business Bureau, they do a bunch of stuff from background checks to licensing of the business uh, verifications to, to uh, you know, just uh, documenting everything about this business before they are going to certify them and say that they're a yeah, preferred member or that they have a rating and all those things. And so we were able to take all those manual processes that they were doing by hand and build a web-based uh, system for them to, to make the results uh, as automated as possible once they put in the information and kind of have a workflow to step through and, and they'd be able to do uh, do those business reviews uh, in half as many man hours as they did before. So they're able to, with the same staff, do more or even take some of that staff that was assigned to doing that manually and have them go work on something else that was valuable to the company instead of spending a bunch of their time clicking around and searching things on websites. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I was kind of thinking of this while you were explaining there. I think for me, and I'm no different, you know, I, I, this very podcast is considered a small business and, you know, I, I have the VIP experience that we're hoping to do again in 2021, kind of waiting on news on that and, and all these different enterprises that we do, whether it's my writing stuff, like all that stuff is is considered small business. And I think for a lot of people out there that are in the same boat as me, they can identify a problem that they have, but they don't really know about how to go about finding a solution for it. And to me, from the outside, that seems like a very valuable resource for Fast Foundry is, you know, I would come to you and say, hey, this is the problem I'm having. You guys are the, the educated, smart people. How do I go about fixing this, right? How, what's the solution? How do we go about uh, concocting a solution? Would that be a fair assessment of something that people could approach you with? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you are somebody as an expert in your business, and we're an expert in technology, so working together, we can figure out what technology can apply to your business expertise to try to, to grow or optimize or, you know, whether it's reliability or or just repeatability where the process is always done uh, correctly. You know, there's a lot of ways to accomplish that. Yeah, I think that's that's probably, uh, for me, the, the most valuable part of this is if you are out there and you're wondering, okay, you know, just like you said, they are the expert of their own business. They know the problems, right? For you to be sitting in in Idaho and be able to understand everybody's problem you can't right so to, that's a wide net to cast but when people approach you with specific problems you know how to address those so that's what i would ask listeners out there to do and robert if you're cool with that um give them some ways to contact you and they can lay out their problems and see if there is a solution between their specific problem and fast foundry 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly the best way to contact me is Robert at FastFoundry.com. Uh, you know, certainly in the past I've been doing a lot of traveling, both to the races on the weekends and and to customer sites and events and things uh, during the week. So that's probably the best way to to contact me uh, right now. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate the time. Obviously, I appreciate you being a part of the podcast. And uh, yeah, reach out to Robert if you can't find his email or forget his email, whatever. You can always write me, email me, um, jason36 at AOL.com, which is a ridiculous email to still have. Uh, you can DM me on any of the social media channels, and I'll, I will happily answer questions or put you in contact uh, with Robert at Fast Foundry. And yeah, at the end of the day, I love this podcast because it connects people and generally helps them. And, and you know how moto people are like they they want to help and it's you know generally it's like yeah let's let, i'll answer your questions and if there's a, a way to for us to do business together by all means let's do it um and, and i just found that over and over and over is that uh it just connects people with, with questions and problems with the answers that they need and they, and they may not even know that there's so, uh, someone out there to help so again thanks for your time and uh hopefully i will uh, see you at some races here soon yeah thanks for the opportunity take care okay guys see you so thanks for that. Thanks for listening to that interview. Uh, I like to learn more about how these businesses operate. It makes me smarter in the end. It's going to you know, help me become a more well-rounded business person in the end. And I think they have a lot to offer. If you, if you do any homework on where the world's going, you see it's just all tech all the time. Every business is trying to just get modernized and up to speed so how they can better serve customers more efficiently. And I, I believe that's exactly where Fast Foundry is and where they're going long-term in the future. Now, 250 guys, uh, I mean, what a night for Christian Craig. Simply unbelievable. There's not much more that you can say than that. He dominated. There, uh, He dominated the heat. He was, uh, was he fastest in qualifying session? I, I believe he was. I know he was back and forth with uh, with Jed and, and um, Forkner there. But Forkner actually was a little off the pace. But I, I believe Craig ended up being the fastest. But in the at the night's racing, I mean, lights out, right? He just dominated those guys, uh, both times really unchallenged. And that's, we've never really seen that from Christian. We've seen in the heat, but not in the main event, not the mentally tough. I'm just better than all you guys get out of my way. I'm, I'm out of here type stuff. And he displaced RJ Hampshire early in the main event, I believe the first full lap around. And then he was just gone like sayonara. And, and he didn't win by 30 seconds or anything, but he was clearly the, the best guy on the track. Austin Forkner could could argue that, but if Austin Forkner doesn't put himself in a good position on the first lap and Christian Craig's going to ride like that, it's going to make life very difficult. Now, having said all that, I think Forkner's still your title favorite. I think Christian Craig went a long way to put himself into that conversation. But from what I've seen over the years, Austin Forkner and the riding that Austin Forkner did in the main event and the heat race, I really like what I saw from Forkner. It's just going to be for me, can Christian Craig continue it? Because I think you're definitely going to see continuation from Austin Forkner. Christian Craig, to me, one beautiful night. He just got to keep that going. And then, yeah, it's game on for who's who's going to be the best of the, the East Coast series here. But congrats to Christian Craig. You could see how emotional he was about it and how much it meant to him after years of struggling. And, uh, yeah, good on him. Great family. Uh, I know his father-in-law really well. And uh, I could not be more happy for them. Connor Fields is his, his uh, mental coach, and you can see all the work they've been putting in to get him to this point. Obviously, the move to Monster Star Yamaha paid off as well. So good for all of, all that whole crew, all everybody involved. Jet Lawrence is the only other rider I'll mention here. Well, I should mention Colt Nichols. Great job from him. Got on the podium. Quiet night. 
but strong night. So we'll see if Colt can build off of that. But I think Jet Lawrence is really the, the other worth mentioning here because it was a bit underwhelming, right? He crashes the last lap, which set him back. It wasn't ideal. Um, but he just didn't have the pace of those guys on top of that. He was not able to stay with Christian Craig or Austin Forkner or Colt Nichols. I mean, they all passed him and pulled away. So for all the Jet Reynolds hype, and yes, he is young. This is his second Supercross season, kind of, because he got hurt last year. You know, he broke his collarbone. So it's really almost his full first first full season anyway. I kind of expected more. I, I really did. And, and the crash on, on paper made it look worse than it was. But just for his psyche and everyone watching, he didn't have the 15-minute-plus the one-lap pace of those guys. He just didn't. And he'll have another opportunity. He'll have another crack at it in two days. But that wasn't I, – I thought he might come out and win and, and set the world on fire, and he, and he was not really near that. Those guys were significantly better than him in that main event. So it be interesting to see how the youngster bounces back. He's pretty resilient. He doesn't seem like he gets rattled very easy. So I, I think you'll come out and see the exact same Jet Lawrence – that we all think we will, right? Going for the win, going for the hole shots, doing all those things. But um, it certainly was a moment to take pause and say, is he is he ready yet, right? We, we all know it's coming. Like, he's so young and so talented. It is coming. I just thought it might be 2021, but maybe it's not. Maybe it will be 2022 that we finally see him kind of break out, as they say. So that's it for this week. I do want to thank all the sponsors of this podcast, and I want to mention – these discount codes because it's really, really important for me and for these companies that you use them. It helps companies track the success of this podcast and their engagement with you. So in no particular order, uh, you can go to Works Connection and use the code JT21 to save yourself some money. You can go to uh, 612 Suspension. And if you mention the podcast, you'll save yourself you'll save yourself 20% off parts and labor. If you go to Premier Vapor Blasting, Mention the podcast again, and you will save 25%. Go to ProGlow and use the code MOTO15 at checkout, and that'll save you 15%. It's a great deal from them. Very important. You guys all listen to the interview with Risk Racing. When you buy, whether it's you know the Palm Protectors or any of the great products they have, the Ripper, which is the, uh, you know, the roll-off system that you don't even have to reach up and, and Grab that string, which is so hard to find mid-moto. All the cool products from Risk Racing. Use the code JTMONEY. It's it's the dollar sign, JT dollar sign at checkout to save yourself some money there too. But but really just reach out to all these companies, right? They are supporting the sport. If you're in the power sports business, you use something. You use oil or a work connection product or you wash your bike or you wash your side-by-side or quad. You use something, Risk Racing, uh whether it's it's the products they sell to load your bikes. They have so many unique products over at Risk Racing. Check those guys out. But when you're buying the stuff, they're providing these promo codes to save you money. They're they're trying to help you and I and all of us in the end. So use those promo codes that I just uh, I just shared with all of you. Pump Creek Funding, thanks again for coming on as presenting sponsor. We'll see you next week. That's the first round of the series. I'm going to try to do as many of these as I can. So this one's only, you know, 30, 40 minutes with the interview involved in there. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll try to keep knocking these things out. See you guys.